Hey everyone, Will Sickles here from beingalandlord.com. Welcome to our very first podcast. That's right, this is podcast number one. Low income or luxury rentals, which one should it be? Thanks for listening. I really appreciate you spending the time with me today. What I wanted to talk with you about today was the positive and negative points between low-income rentals, low-income rental properties, and what I'm calling luxury rental properties. So let's get right into it. Something I really struggle with when looking for my next rental property when I'm searching for a rental property to purchase is should I be looking at lower income properties, meaning properties in neighborhoods that may not really command a very high rent, therefore the property may be more affordable, or should I be looking at properties that may go for a premium and, you know, therefore I could charge a much higher rent? So I myself still struggle with this. I struggle with it because, as you may or maybe you don't know, my wife and I have two rental properties currently. And each, uh, we actually have one property in each of these situations. So my townhouse is in a town that was, it was actually named one of the best towns in New Jersey, believe it or not. The townhouse owners in the neighborhood on average have higher than normal incomes. Um, for many of the folks, this is their downsized home. Um, so, you know, they, they made a, a really good nest egg and now they need to downsize. Their kids are out of the house. So this is actually their downsized home. Uh, or they're working professionals and there's not too many kids in the, in the neighborhood. So they're working professionals and they don't have children, so they don't need a big house. Um, that's, that's generally the neighborhood my townhouse is in. Uh, because of all this, I paid a bit of a premium for this townhouse when I bought it. I didn't mind. It was going to be my primary residence at the time, so I wanted it to be very nice. And I really did fall in love with the property when I saw it. I, I, once I saw it, I had to have it. It was a little bit out of my price range. Um, but I knew this, is, this was my goal. This is, this is where I wanted to be. So uh, I did pay a premium for it. Also, because of the location and the, you know, quote-unquote luxury status of the townhouses and the neighborhood, um, I'm able to charge rent that's, you know, kind of on the higher side. Take note that I did not say that that was a positive, and we'll get to that in a minute. Now, on the other side of things, we have our second property, our second property is a single-family standalone house. And this standalone house actually costs less to buy than my townhouse did. Even though it's a standalone house, it's a house that stands by itself, it actually costs less than my townhouse costs. The house is in a lower-income neighborhood. Um, the houses are also, This house is also older and um, most of the houses in the neighborhood are, are older, and they're all very close together, which means there's not really that much property.
Now, because of this, because of the neighborhood, because of the age of the houses, things like that, we're not able to charge a premium for rent for this property. Now, notice I didn't say that this was a negative, and we'll get to that in a minute as well. So it comes down to a few things and a choice I think that you have to make depending on what you want. What do I mean by that? Well, let's take a look at the positives and negatives of luxury rentals. We'll start with luxury, uh, luxury rentals. Now, as I said before, luxury rentals are very nice properties in areas that are considered desirable and quote-unquote desirable, you know. I guess that's subject to interpretation, but, you know, the market is the market is what one realtor said to me. So according to the market, these properties are in areas that are considered desirable. So that means they're usually, there usually is a high average income rate for the neighborhood. Um, there's usually public transportation very close by that can easily and pretty quickly get you to a major city. Uh, there are popular stores and shops in very close proximity to the neighborhood or to the house, there's usually a very low crime rate, um, blue ribbon school system, you know, all those contributed to a, a desirable neighborhood. Uh, plus, we all know the three laws of real estate, right? And what are they? Location, location, and location, right? So, a property in a desirable area fits that bill. But, as a real estate investor, this can be a negative, and I'll tell you why. Properties in these areas command a premium price, as I said before. Therefore, the price is higher, which makes your investment price higher, right? A higher investment price means more risk and more money you're tying up that you can't use anywhere else. Okay, so that can be a negative. It limits your opportunities, you know, the opportunities you may have investing elsewhere with that money. So you'd think that having a property in a desirable area and therefore being able to receive a higher rent would be a positive, but that can be a negative, as I, as I said. The higher rent diminishes your potential tenant pool, right? Less people are eligible to rent your property. Plus, if you have a higher mortgage on the property because it's at a premium price, then you need that higher rent to cover the higher mortgage. So receiving a higher rent really doesn't make a difference to your profit in this case since it's needed to pay the mortgage anyway. So, so far a few negatives for the luxury rental. Hmm, interesting. There are a few positives though. One positive is that by owning a property in a desirable area, I should have a much easier time selling it when I want to or if I need to. Another positive point is that usually, and I stress the word usually, your actual results may vary, disclaimer, disclaimer, but from my experience so far, usually the tenants that rent luxury or high premium properties require less landlord interaction, let me say. And what I mean here is that from my experience, I have not had to intervene with my premium property tenants all that frequently in matters such as late or missed rental payments, damage to the property, or any other kind of maintenance issues, complaints from neighbors or other authorities, and other such matters like that. I really have had a low 
uh, interaction with those types of things with the folks that have rented out my luxury property. Now, as I said, to be crystal clear, I'm speaking about one property. That's my one property that I have. So it is just one property. I've had several tenants go through that one property, and I've had very similar experiences with all those tenants, but still, it's one luxury rental property that I'm speaking of here. Again, disclaimer, disclaimer, your results may vary, and there are great tenants in all income levels in all property types. I know that, but I'm just telling you what my experience has been so far. One negative point on the luxury property is that if a neighborhood is already desirable, it may have reached its peak. So the growth in property value may be diminished here. And if you're not making a decent profit margin between your rental income and your expenses, then you may also not be making money on the appreciation of the property that's in the desirable neighborhood. And if a property does not make dollars, then it does not make sense. I've said it before. Even if it is a luxury property in a desirable location, it's got to make the money. Cash flow is number one, right? Now, on the flip side, another positive of the higher price of a luxury property and the area being at its peak, before I said luxury properties have a negative in that they tie up more money given their higher price. Now, given that, even though the appreciation may be a smaller percentage, you know, percentage-wise, if the property and the neighborhood is pretty much at its peak, that appreciation may be smaller. But because of the higher price of the property, that results in a higher dollar number, even though that appreciation percentage may be smaller. So, for example, a rise of just 5% on a luxury property valued at $400,000 is $20,000. That's a gain of $20,000 you would have, you know, without any taxes. On the other side, for a lower price property, a rise of 10% on a property valued at, let's say, $100,000 is still only $10,000. So you see that the rise on the luxury property may only be 5%, but it could yield you $20,000 because of the value of that luxury property. So a smaller percentage growth on the luxury property still results in twice the profit of the lower valued property in this case. So I would say if you want less interaction as a landlord, but on the flip side, maybe less profit potentially, then I would go with a higher premium property, more on the luxury property side. So now let's take a look at lower income properties. These properties are usually in neighborhoods that are older, usually have a lower average income per resident. These areas usually do not have blue ribbon school systems, but they are usually more affordable and they have you know, the popular stores and shops in close distance. Now our second rental property does fit this description. It's a much older standalone home, as I said before, so that fact right there can be a negative. Even though the property was affordable, there's regular maintenance that's needed with this property, and we've pretty much had to do more on this house, as far as maintenance goes, than we have had to do on the townhouse. A 
The positive about this property is that the tenant pool is much larger than the tenant pool for the townhouse. We've had to advertise this property for rent twice so far, and each time we were able to get a flood of candidates. Another negative, though, is with the lower income tenants we've had, we've not had any tenants stay for more than one year. In fact, our first tenant broke their contract, and we were unable to get rent from them for two months while we tried to fill the vacancy. So it actually cost us a little bit of money there. Our second set of tenants have been much better, to be honest, but we do struggle with late payments fairly often. Now, I'm in no way saying that this is the case for all tenants in lower income areas. Not at all. I'm just stating the facts on what we've gone through with tenants in this type of rental property. Again, disclaimer, disclaimer, to be just crystal clear, this is one property. We've had two sets of tenants in this one property and had to intervene quite a bit with both sets of tenants. But again, this is just one property. Individual results may vary, yada, yada, yada. Now let's get to another positive. Another positive with this type of property is that since it's more affordable, this property requires less cash for you to tie up. Also, you might be limited on the rental price for this type of property, but it's more likely that you don't need a mortgage for this type of property, so more of your rental income may be profit. And that makes dollars and cents. So if you want to be a landlord that can possibly make more profit, but possibly required to have more interaction with your rental property, then the lower income property may be the property for you. So as you can see, we have positive points and negative points of both types of properties. It's all about how much risk and interaction you're willing to cope with, along with how much profit you're willing to accept. Alright, so that pretty much ties it up for today. I hope this helps you and serves you. I would love to read your comments about this first podcast. Please post them either on Being a Landlord Facebook page or on our blog at beinglandlord.com forward slash blog. Thanks again for listening. I really, really appreciate it. This is the first ever beinglandlord.com podcast, so feel honored. I'm honored to have you listen. I'm Will Sickles. And I'll talk with you soon. Thanks.